Alright, so my message tonight is entitled, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my message, the title of my message tonight is entitled The Tale of Two Rainbows. And uh, we're going to talk about God's rainbow tonight, but we're also going to talk about the rainbow of Sodom. And going to really show you why God's rainbow is better than the rainbow of Sodom. And going to correlate it to the days that we live in. Hopefully this will be a blessing to you all. And uh, we'll go ahead and get started. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, uh, verses 28 to 30. <clears throat> Luke 17, 28 to 30. Um, it says here, let's see here, i got to find, uh, there we go. It says, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now you might say, well, why would you start with that verse? You know, how does that correlate to really what you're talking about well it, it does actually correlate because we got to remember that we're living in the days of wickedness and jesus said that his coming before he comes again we would see it would be like the days of noah but he also says it'd be like the days of lot and we see what's going on in our nation now where you have the LGBTQ community. You know, that whole that whole deal is an attack on the biblical family. Amen. And <clears throat> they it's it's that tra that all that ideology that you know, it's running rampant in our schools, it's running rampant in our government. And, but Jesus said that, that it was it was gonna it was gonna be like that that those that those days were coming and they are here. And so we have to understand that the times we live in is just just flat out wickedness. And so <clears throat> that's why I start off with that verse. And so, like I said, we're gonna talk about God's rainbow and Sodom's rainbow. But we're going to talk about God's rainbow first. Uh, God's rainbow has seven colors. Seven is a number for spiritual perfection. And we, we see from the word of God, we see, we see instances of God's bow uh, representing a lot of different things. But three things that really stuck out to me with this, it represents God himself, it represents his grace, but also represents his glory. Now that is an important point that we're going to touch, I'm going to touch on, correlating to what Sodom's rainbow is, because Sodom's rainbow did something to, to that perfect rainbow, which is to corrupt it, and we'll get into that later on. 
um, we also see it's really interesting is that G is the seventh letter in the alphabet. And so God, grace, and glory, 777. Not saying that there's something there, but just an interesting fact. But now I want, I want to talk about the God aspect of things as per God's rainbow. In Genesis 37.3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now I put that in there because Joseph is a type and picture of Christ. Uh, if you read on the later part of Genesis, we see that when you compare Joseph and, and our Lord Jesus Christ, they both were sold. They both were betrayed and sold for money. Um, but you also see that God had worked it out for Joseph that he would be in second in command to preserve life for his family and for the Egyptians during seven years of famine. When you take a look at Christ, what did he what did he say about himself? He said that he'd come to give life and life more abundantly. So in a sense, he also came to not just give life but preserve it. But he also has called us to be salt, and salt preserves. Amen. <clears throat> and but we see that jo uh, that Israel or Jacob, Jacob was changed to Israel. Uh, he gives his son a coat of many colors. That I think really actually is a picture of God's glory. Um, Genesis chapter nine, verse thirteen to fourteen. It says, "I do set my bow in the cloud." And it shall be a token for a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now, <clears throat> I put that in there is because when Christ comes back again, where is he coming back in? When is he coming? Like when he comes back, where is he going to be found? In the clouds. So we see that that the bow is is a picture of Christ. He left in a cloud, and he'll come back in a cloud. Amen? That's a good thing. Uh, Matthew 24, 30, it says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Matthew 26, 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
And the last one in that particular section is Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. It says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud, a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. <clears throat> so we see that God had put his bow in the clouds in Genesis, which is a picture of Christ coming in the clouds. So therefore, we see that it is a picture, the bow in the clouds is a picture of Christ. Now, this is also a picture of his grace. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 15 to 16, it says, And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, the thing that we got to take from that is, where's the grace in that? The grace in that is that he should no more send a flood to destroy all flesh. That's God's grace. You see, when God put his bow in the clouds for, for Noah... That was a promise that God wasn't going to wipe out their wipe the earth out again ever with a flood. That's a wonderful promise. And you know what? It is by his grace that he don't wipe out this earth with a flood ever again. Amen. Next time he'll 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 burn I mean, he won't do it with water, but he'll do it with fire. But that's because God is a just God. He is a holy God. And he's doing it to deal with sin. Amen? God is not going to leave. God is not going to leave sin unpunished. He will deal with sin. <clears throat> uh, John 3, 15 to 17. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, eter have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God set not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, lest any man should boast, for it is the gift of God. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Again, we are saved by grace through faith. Every, if, we are, if, if we go to heaven, it's because of what Christ did at the cross. It's not because of anything that we did. But it's because of what he did for us. At Romans chapter 5 verse 10 it says for if we for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son 
much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life so again we see we see grace through Christ Christ is God's Christ is God's grace that he gives us Romans 5:17 and 19 for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to con- to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men on the justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of of one shall many be made righteous and so again we 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 continue to see grace christ is grace he gives grace but he's he is also just he is also holy you know it seems like a lot of churches nowadays that's what that's all they want to focus on is god's grace god's love but you know their version of love is really to is really to compromise biblical values. See, they don't like to focus on his holiness. They don't like to focus that he's that righteous judge. They don't want to focus as what brother Bill spoke on this morning. They don't want to talk about hell. They don't. All they want is the good stuff. They don't want to hear the bad stuff. But you know what? If we don't teach about hell, if we don't teach about remission of sin, if we don't preach against sin, then we're doing this world a disservice. And the greatest gift, the greatest gift and the amount of grace that we can give to this world is be able to tell them that they are sinners in need of a savior. Amen. Because by not warning what are we really are we are we really loving others if we fail to warn you see what i'm saying so warning is a good thing uh, titus chapter 3 verse 7 it says that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life first john 5 11 to 13 and this is the record that god hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son he that has he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the, of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, Christ came to give life. He did. And so... We're seeing on how God's rainbow shows us that it is a rainbow of life. The rainbow represents Christ. Christ came to give life and life more abundantly. And so God's rainbow, we're starting to see how God's rainbow is life. And grace and mercy and hope. Why? Because Jesus Christ is that blessed hope that we look for in the clouds.
Now, uh, last part here on on God's rainbow is 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 the glory. <clears throat> Revelation chapter four, verse two through three. It says, "And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, there, behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne." And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne and sight like onto an emerald. You see, a rainbow was over the throne. It's God's glory. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now, we don't know what who this angel was. It could be Christ. I'm not saying it is. It could be. Um, but you see that there is a rainbow upon his head. It, it, it's Whatever this angel was is, is emanating the glory of God. Amen? Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. And above the firmament that was over his heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the as the amber of fire round about within within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward i saw it as it were the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain so was the appearance of brightness round about there was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the lord and when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. So you see that what Ezekiel saw was God on his throne and the glory of God. And so we see that this bow, God's rainbow, is, is in fact to show you it is his glory. And so with all of all that I had mentioned with each of these sections... God's rainbow brings hope, brings life, brings grace and mercy. In Psalm 119.81, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Proverbs 10.28, The hope of the the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. Even the mystery which hath been laid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And John 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So that is God's bow. That's God's rainbow. Now we're going to talk about Sodom's rainbow. Sodom's rainbow has six colors. And so, like I had said about God's glory, 
God's rainbow is a picture of his glory. But we see here in Romans that you've got people that have taken the glory of God and changed it, the, the glory of the uncorruptible God, and corrupted his glory, changed his glory. Um, Romans chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, it says, And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever." Amen. Now think about that. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. You take a look at the, the pride flag. It's only got six colors on it. Six is a number for man. It's also a number for sin. And also represents death. What did they do? What did they did? They took the rainbow, God's rainbow, they took a color out and corrupted his glory. That's what they did. They corrupted the, the pride flag, the, 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 the gay pride flag, as a corruption of God's glory. So what does that tell you? What that tells you is whose side they're really on. <clears throat> um, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. You see, the pride flag only has six colors on it. It's a flag of death. Because that lifestyle and their agenda is only going to bring about death and destruction. And God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. And so, and, and, we, and people need to realize how dangerous their agenda is. It's extremely dangerous because their agenda takes aim at the biblical family. It takes aim pretty much on, on everything, on, ev on every level. It goes against what the Bible says. And anything that goes against what the Bible says is not of Christ, but is of Antichrist. Amen? <clears throat> now, Revelation 13, 16 to 18, it says, And he causeth, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had, had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. So we see that six is associated is is, is associated with um, man and beast, but it's also associated with sin, and it's also associated with death. When sin is when sin is finished, it brings about death. Um, Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat 
and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now what did God say about that? He said, he told Adam that in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. And we see here in verse 6, what did they do? Both Adam and Eve, they ate. And you know what happened? When they ate, the moment that they took a bite of that fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, that brought sin into the world. What does sin bring? brings death. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 through 7, it says, And this, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There are giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they, built, they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But it, it, you know, and I only, I only bring this up because it comes to show you what sin does. But what does it say in verse eight? It says, "But Noah found what grace in the eyes of the Lord." Grace. So you see, there's a contrast. Sin brings death, but grace brings to life. Amen. Amen. So. <clears throat> Going back to this pride flag, only has six colors. So we can conclude that the Sodomite flag brings death, but also brings destruction. Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. You see, just as God's rainbow is his glory, the Sodom rainbow is their glory. But that glory leads to shame, it leads to sin, it leads to death, and it leads to destruction. This is why we ought to point people towards Christ. Amen? Why? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can give eternal life. Amen. Only one. So, um, we see also that there's also an emphasis on shame. God takes nakedness and shame and puts them together. Because when there's nakedness, there's shame. Uh, Revelation 3, 17-18, it says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes, with eyesel that thou mayest see. So we see that even Jesus, he correlates how 
shame, nakedness is with shame. See, I, I can't remember what this, I can't remember the church um, that this was. But the church that Jesus was speaking here was saying, well, you say that you are rich, but really you're poor. You're poor, you're wretched, you're, na- you're, you're naked, and you're blind. What does that mean? It means they were lost. There were sins that were committed that they had shame. They were lost. And Jesus was ad- advising them to, to buy of them gold, tried in the fire. What's that? Is to believe on him. To put they he want Jesus wanted them to put their faith in him. And what what and what are we guaranteed in this world? Tribulations. Trials. So when you put your faith in Christ, your faith will be on trial. Amen. God will try your faith. Um, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit more fast here so y'all bear with me, all right? Um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowliest wisdom. What is it they always celebrate in July or June? It's Pride Month, ain't it? And they all start waving that six-colored flag everywhere. It's disgusting is what that is. But you know what God said? He said that when pride cometh, then what? Cometh shame. I mean, there is so much lewdness going on, I, I can't even... We've got mixed company, so it would be very. It wouldn't be right for me to list everything that's going on. But you get all these things going on at these pride events, and it's really nothing but shame, is what it is. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Now, Proverbs thirteen ten it says, "Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advises wisdom." Think about all. Think about. Think about that whole group, the LGBT group. They're hypocrites. Why? Because they they always demand tolerance from people. But why they demand tolerance? They're intolerant of you. When when you preach the truth to them, when you give them Bible, they call you intolerant. But yet they're but on the other side of their mouth, they're talking tolerance. But yet they're intolerant of Bible believers. It's hypocrisy at its worst. You see, God says in His Word, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. And you know, when 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 you start giving them the word and when they start when they start lashing out, that's where the contention comes. And you know why that's contention? Because they got pride. They've got so much pride in their sin. That when you try to confront them with truth, they come at you like a whole swarm of angry bees. It's not right. Proverbs uh, sixteen eighteen: Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. I'll tell you what: if we may think that they're getting away with their sin, but rest assured, one of these days they're going to stand before God, and God's going to deal with them. God will have His day. And that's coming. 
You know why? Because God is a just and holy God. He is not going to leave sin unpunished. When there's sin, he's going to deal with it. And he may not deal with it right now. He'll wait a little bit to see what, 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 what a nation will do. But if a nation won't do nothing, he's going to step in and do something about it. You see, that's why we're in, that's why we're in the condition we're in right now in our nation. We wouldn't repent as a nation. So now we're, now God's going to step in and he's going to deal with it. But you know what? Can I just encourage you that he's going to be with his people. And there might be some rough times coming ahead, but God is going to be with his people. He'll See, Jesus promised. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So even in just times of distress, he's always going to be with you. He's always going to provide for you. But at the same time, he's going to judge sin. Because he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He is the righteous judge. Jeremiah chapter uh, 8, verse 12. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they, shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their, of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. You take a look at all these LGBT people and their pride events. You, you think they're ashamed of their sin? No. You know what God calls that? He calls their sin an abomination. And yet they're not even ashamed of it. I mean, you get people out in the streets that hold up signs that says proud and going to hell. I wouldn't say that. You, I mean, you, you, you th- just think back to what, what Brother Bill preached this morning about hell. It's the light version, yes, but... When people end up in hell, they ain't going to be proud of it. Mm-mm. You said pe- people are so ignorant of hell that they don't want to believe it. Why? Because they all, they, all, they all just want to go to heaven. See, people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to accept the truth. They want to find some other way to heaven. By the way, you know what, Jesus, you know what that is? If you try to find another way to heaven, you're a thief. Why? Because you're taking upon yourself to get to heaven another way. There's only one way. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does that mean? He's the only way. And without him, you ain't going to heaven. Amen? It's only through Christ we can go to heaven. Uh, Ezekiel 16:49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her. And in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Let's think about that here. So, sister Sodom is pride. Okay, that, we, we got a lot of pride in our nation. Fullness of bread. We have so much abundance. We're so comfortable in our little area. We, we just don't want to step out. And idleness. An abundance of idleness. You know, when a nation won't repent, what do you call that? It's idleness. Because they won't do nothing. They'll just sit around, be comfortable in their little little bubble. You know? They say, okay, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm just going to go about my life. No, that's not how that works. Mm-mm. 
Nope. Sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes, that's what God calls us to do sometimes, a lot of times. Think, think, think about Peter. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call, call me out to you. And he did. And you know what? Peter stepped out of his comfort zone and began walking in water. It was the moment that he took his eyes off Christ, he began to sink. So there will be moments and times that you will be called out of your comfort zone. Amen? We, we all will have to come out of our comfort zone one way or the other. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16-19. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with this because Brother Bill touched on this quite a bit. Okay? These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are what? An abomination. Onto him. A proud look. A proud look. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. Leviticus 18.22 Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is what? It is an abomination. Romans 1.27 And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat. James 1.15 Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we see that God's rainbow brings life, hope, and joy. But the rainbow of Sodom brings about death and destruction. Why would anybody, why would any parent want to point their children to the pride flag. That's just going to bring death. And I will say this. I'm going to say this in as much love and grace as I can be. But any parent that allows their kids to make decisions to change a gender, quote unquote, okay, that is child endangerment. It is. And parents need parents need to step up and parent their kids. They need to teach them that just because they feel a certain way doesn't mean that they are. Amen? I'll tell you what. We live by faith, not by sight. If every... If, you take a look at the politics now. Have you noticed that it seems like all the laws are passing is based off emotion? It's just based on feeling, based on emotion. Where's that getting us? That's, that's, that's going to eventually get us to a point of persecution. You know why? Because we don't go by emotion. We, don't go, we go by faith. Amen? We walk by faith. We don't walk by how we feel. You know, all this is all because of emotion and, and how we feel. And, so, and, and listen, I'm not saying that emotion are bad. emotions are bad. No, God gave us emotions. 
Jesus wept. It's okay to weep. It's okay to cry. Emotions are not a bad thing. But where it comes bad is when we start making decisions based on our emotions. Oh, I feel like doing this. I feel like doing that. What makes us think that that's what's best? See, God knows what's best. Amen? And I pray and hope that parents will be able to stand up and be able to just say, Hey, you know, Johnny, you may be feeling this way, but you were born a boy, so you are a boy. You know? Because all this stuff that we're, we're being introduced is confusion, is what it is. And God is not the author of confusion. You know who is the author of confusion? Satan. Satan wants you confused. He wants this whole society to be, to be confused. But you know what? Praise God. We serve a God that wants us to not be confused. We serve a God that is a God of order. Amen? God has an order to things. But I'm going to tell you something. It, it won't be long when they start out when they start saying, this is illegal to read. That day is coming. Question is, will you stand for the truth? Because that's going to be important. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking where? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. You see, we need to be pointing our kids to God's rainbow. Point them to God's rainbow. Why? Because God's rainbow will bring life. It will bring peace. It will bring joy. You know, God's rainbow, that's Jesus Christ. Point to Christ. Point your kids to Christ. Let's point people to Christ. Let's not point people to to death and destruction. We need to be pointing people to Christ. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Tomorrow may be too late. Amen? We don't know what tomorrow brings, but today is the day of salvation. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Jeremiah 21, 8. And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. You see, God is a, is a God of free will. He's not going to force you to serve him. He's going to give you a choice between life or death. But just know that if people choose death, there are some very bad eternal consequences with that. Amen? Choose life. It's not going to be easy. But you know what? Through all the hardships, the glory that's to come is nothing compared to the sufferings down here. Amen? And so, hopefully, uh, hopefully this was a blessing for you all. Hopefully uh, you guys got something from that. Um, but don't don't take my word for it, okay? You take what I say and you.
Compare it with the Word of God. If what I say does not match with the Word of God, then let God be true and Brandon be a liar. And I'll tell you, one of these days, I will have to stand and I will have to stand and give an account on this particular message and every message I've ever preached. I'm not always going to be right, amen? I will be wrong at times. So let's go ahead and let's stand.